Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. It's Tuesday, October 6th, and we are just two days removed from the Bears' first loss of the season. And no, it's not enough time to forget about that stink fest that was the Chicago Bears' offense. I'm Earl Soldewit, and I want to welcome you to our Week 5 Game Preview episode. That's right, it's only Tuesday, but it is a short week. I'm feeling it. I'm sure you are, too. And we all have to move just, well, a little bit quicker. Here with me. Per usual, my co-host, Nicholas Moriano. Nick, uh, I don't think this is enough time to digest what we saw on Sunday, moving into another game. I couldn't even imagine how the Bears internally must be feeling, just with the stress that I feel. Are you feeling that short week pressure as well? Absolutely. So for the Bears, with all the issues that they had from last week's loss to the Colts, there's a lot to fix, and they have to just kind of forget about that game, go into the week like we're doing right now and looking towards their next opponent. So whether they like it or not, they have to forget about that game and just kind of move on from here. Absolutely, Nick. And, hey, that's what you said. Um, we're each using the same words for our transitions here for now. Uh, we'll change that up here. So let's go ahead and begin with our initial perception of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers For me, Nick, it's just another big-time test uh, for the Bears. And this one, I think, is 
equally spread out on both sides of the ball, a little bit more than Indianapolis. Depending on how healthy the Buccaneers are going to be showing up, I know they're dealing with their fair share of injuries. It's kind of hard to make heads or tails of who's going to play or not, but the Bucs, when healthy, have a better offense than the Indianapolis Colts. And on defense, they're right up with Indianapolis in terms of what they bring to the table. So things, Nick, unlike weeks one, two, and three, they're starting to get real. And on a short week, you wish you had maybe a little bit of an easier opponent. At least I am looking into this one. But my general perception as we kind of kick off this preview episode is another tough test should be uh, facing the Bears here in just two short days. How about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. I have the same exact thoughts. And anytime you add Tom Brady to your roster, that now team becomes legitimate. Um, it doesn't matter where he would have gone. I would have thought the same thing of that team. But with the Buccaneers having the weapons that he has and that fast, ferocious defense, a lot like what Indianapolis had and what the Bears just faced on Sunday, it's going to be a tough test on both sides of the ball. If the offense plays anywhere like it did against the Colts, Tom Brady and that offense are just going to continue to rack up points and outscore you. And also that defense, fast flying to the football, guys will make plays, they have a good front seven. So me just looking at this matchup and also accounting for what the Bears couldn't do last week, there's just a lot of things I don't like about this matchup. We'll obviously get into it, but that's just my initial perception of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. All right, let's move on to the next segment, which is looking at some of the major topics on both sides of the ball. Beginning on offense, Nick, on Sunday, you and I were just saying that the offense, maybe it wasn't offense, maybe it was offensive to the term offense itself, um, but something that you and I saw, or at least what we thought we were seeing, was them just being a little too predictable, Uh, just feeling like we know what they're going to be running, when they're running the football and I know you kind of took that conversation to heart. You went back, you rewatched the game, you took some notes uh, this time. What did you learn, and was the offense as predictable as we were thinking? Yeah, well, so when you mentioned it, I'm like, I have to go further into this just to see exactly how predictable this Bears offense was. And just kind of going through the condensed version of the game, seeing the type of plays that the Bears are calling, depending on whether Nick Foles was under center or in the shotgun, it was pretty evident that whenever the Bears were in shotgun, regardless if there was a David Montgomery next to him or a Cordell Patterson, the Bears were most likely passing. And that's just how it was. And despite it being a close ball game, just 13-3 in the second half with 10-08 to start in the third quarter, the Bears predominantly just went to the shotgun and went to passing the football as opposed to just mixing things up whenever they... Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. We're under center. Most likely it was going to be a run. So if I could see that from a condensed version of just watching this tape, I can't imagine what the Indianapolis Colts defenders were thinking. I'm like, oh, shotgun, let's kind of drop back and see if we can, you know, play our zones, you know, the right way and then have Nick Foles maybe just make an errant pass or whatever it may be. It was just way too, I guess, just sound what the what the Bears are doing and they just didn't disguise it whatsoever. Whatever they were in shotgun, they were passing under center most likely going to be a run and they just went very pass heavy in the second half despite it only being a 13-3 ball game 
with 10 minutes left in that third quarter. I don't think I need to express how wrong that is to be predictable on offense and just how easy you make the defense's job. And whenever you're going up against a competent defense, if you make their job any easier than it has to be, you're just kind of playing into their hand, playing their game, and not really able to keep them on their heels a little bit, keep them guessing. And that needs to be uh, one of Matt Nagy's issues that he's had for the last couple of years is becoming predictable in moments and in games. And he needs to do some of that self-scouting. We've talked about this in the past. It's unfortunate that we're still having this conversation. I don't have anything other to say than don't be as predictable. It's as easy as that on the surface. Did you have anything else that you wanted to mention in this regard? You know what, Will? Just whenever he feels like his offense is not able to move the ball efficiently or put up points, it does seem like he just reverts to this pass-happy kind of uh, scenario for him. And I just don't get why you do that because it doesn't seem like it's worked at any point when he does revert back to maybe this comfortability that Matt Nagy likes to do. And that's that's an issue, I think, because if you're just continuing to do that when you see that your offense is not having any sustainability for drives, points, big plays, anything like that, you're just putting, like you said, the defense in better positions to make plays and the offense in more positions to go three and out get that defense tired and ultimately, you know, just give up points more than what you should. And that's just, like you said, been a constant issue for Matt Nagy. I still, like, to this day, I don't know what the identity is. Like, the, like that's been a question ever since Matt Nagy got here. And, you know, last week's game definitely didn't help me solve that question. No, and we're getting to the point where he has, <clears throat> excuse me, his quarterback, He has that player that he believes he should run his offense and it felt very scaled back. Uh, That's what you and I thought we saw on Sunday. After you rewatched it, does it still feel like it was pruned a little bit and wasn't like completely open? I know when you can't run the football like they had issues with on Sunday, that's going to happen. You're not going to be able to run your whole playbook. Um, But do you still have that same sense as well? You know what, Will, which is a scary thought, after watching that game again, it reminded me so much of 2019. Everything that you saw wrong with 2019, just with the play calling, the inability to execute plays, receivers maybe off cue or running backs off cue with with the the entire play, everything that we saw in 2019 that we wanted to get away from just kind of resurfaced again last week against Colts. And look, credit their defense, really good unit, a lot better than I was expecting, but you still can't have all those issues kind of pile up in one game just because of a good defense. It's another good defense they're facing this week. So, yeah, it was just it wasn't overall like my takeaways after the game were even worse after rewatching it. Oh yeah, that's not ideal uh, whatsoever. Something else that puts a pit in my stomach, and I'm sure it's in the stomach of a lot of our listeners, is the Bears' inability to convert on third down, 31st in the NFL, though, only converting on 34% of their third downs, which is actually worse uh, than what they averaged last season. Uh, so that's another non-ideal scenario for the Chicago Bears here. Tampa Bay, they come into town with the 10th best third down defense, allowing a conversion rate at about 40%. Uh, Chicago's third down woes are, I believe, due to some compounding issues. Obviously, it's not a one-size-fits-all uh, you know, type of solution here. There's a lot of circumstances that are leading to the Bears' inability to move the sticks. And Nick, something that you and I always say is that the Bears just need to find a way to execute a little better on first and second down and give themselves a better opportunity. Would you still agree with that? Yeah, I definitely would. But even when they do that, yeah, go ahead. Okay, because I told you I had something for you. So I was looking into this because I felt like, and I was telling you too on Sunday, 
it felt like they were in decent situations in third down. This season, the Bears are averaging 6.2 yards to gain on third down. Where do you think that ranks in the NFL? I'm going to go maybe top five. It is top. It's fifth. That's the fifth shortest distance to gain the Bears are. Fifth shortest distance to gain on third down. Yet, they're the second worst team at doing it. So that myth is now busted. They are doing Matt Nagy on first and second down. He's figuring out how to get themselves in a decent spot. Great. But the play calling on third down, the execution on third down, they're just being outmatched, outnumbered in this regard. They are, uh, what, 6.2 yards to gain. They're only averaging 3.6 yards gained on third down. So, again, it's crazy that they're getting themselves in a good spot, better than 27 other teams, but there are 30 teams that are better on converting on third down. So it doesn't matter if it's close or not. We know they've had issues for the last two seasons, but what's your takeaway on that? Because we've been saying you got to do better on early downs, but apparently they're doing fine. It's just really third down is the issue. Yeah, no, and when you mention that, Will, with third down being the issue and, like, thinking why, why is it the issue? Well, I think what for Matt Nagy, he's still doing the same tendency, the same kind of play calling. Look, a third and one, who a third and one play against Indianapolis. Who's the running back? Cordell Patterson. Do the Bears convert? Absolutely not. I think they actually converted one of them, but it's still something that you've seen, that you saw last year. It reared its ugly head just last week against Indianapolis. And you have a David Montgomery who I think is just more efficient at running on third down, especially in the short yard situations, but it's something like that. And then there's all the targets of Darnell Mooney last week on third down, whether it's just Foles being inaccurate and just not having the right timing. Maybe that comes with time of now being the starter, but it seems like execution on the most crucial down where you need there's a little bit more pressure right with this third down situation obviously on first down you have you have two other opportunities but it just seems like whatever the case is all the lack of execution from the o-line the receivers the running back quarterback always happens on the money down so like you said they've been doing their job on first and second but that big third down situations they just can't execute right and again players need to execute better Matt Nagy probably needs to get a little bit more creative a little unorthodox maybe call some routes ahead of the sticks instead of behind them and having your guys run up for the first down feels like that's a Chicago issue uh, all the time but again it's a compounding issue uh, we got to keep monitoring it doesn't get easier this week with Tampa Bay bringing in the 10th best third down defense but uh, the takeaway being the Bears are and third and manageable they have done a good job of doing it it's just really third down is where all the issues lie and that's why they can't score it's why they can't sustain drives and it all starts there uh, for this bears offense need to find a way to work and figure out on third down moving on nick uh we're gonna just there's nothing positive to talk about this offense after last week so i apologize everyone listening but the bears rushing attack uh it's becoming less effective with each passing week uh, since week one the bears have actually rushed for less yards in a week prior and i know weeks one two and three it was a very minor dip in production and then last week you take that nosedive um totally in the wrong direction and just like third down it doesn't get easy this week tampa bay they have the second best run defense both in total yards they allow 64.2 yards on the ground per game and then they only allow 2.7 yards per carry and i don't know what else we can say uh, that we haven't said before so I'll defer to you, Nick. Anything on this Bears rushing game that you really wanted to hit home yet again? 
I think just for this week, and look, the test, like you said, does not get any easier, and that's why I don't have a lot of confidence in this group being able to make the changes necessary to have a better day, but it's really that offensive line needs to show up, and I, I think it's a physicality kind of standpoint. There was just so many times just last week where the Indianapolis Colts' interior defenders at defensive line were winning the point of attack. That The line of scrimmage was moved two yards back on consistent basis with these offensive linemen and see we've been saying that for a long time now that could just be the bear their bears are just not maybe a stout strong unit and that's why they go to this outside zone inside zone scheme where they kind of have to move and get lateral so then they can maybe take advantage of getting beating a defender to a spot because it just doesn't seem like we don't see the power the power inside runs right we don't see the counters or anything like that maybe it's just because the bears are not physically capable of doing it we see it consistently and maybe i'm being a little too harsh on this but i i need to see it this week and i really i say i want to see it but i'm not going to get my hopes up saying that this offensive line is going to be able to do that against tampa bay on thursday night yeah i don't know if this is the week but we do need to see it this season and we need to see it sooner rather than later but with you nick again it really does start up front they haven't been doing their job. Montgomery, over the last three weeks now, he's been getting contacted a decent amount in uh, the backfield behind the line of scrimmage, whereas week one, most of week two, he was being untouched. For- Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm in the order it was received. Please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. For a few yards, and look what the Bears were able to do. Over 130 yards per game on the ground in each of those three contests. So it all starts up front. Uh, do you think the Bears are missing Tariq Cohen right now a lot as well? You know what, I think they are just someone that can at least, even if, like we talked about it, I think on the preview podcast, they didn't run a lot of 21 personnel, but just even having a guy like that with his speed on the edge at least gets those defenders not coming just straight downhill. They have to think about the flats a little bit more when Tariq Cohen's in the game. So, yeah, I absolutely think that when having Tariq Cohen at least gets defenders thinking, and the Bears are missing that right now. Now, we've talked about a lot of things on offense already. Uh, nothing has been positive. Uh, we've already One thing we didn't talk about, we've already two quarterbacks into the year. That happened quick. Uh, inability to run the football last week. It's rushing the wrong – they're going in the wrong direction there. Third down has been a big issue. Finding themselves to get into the red zone has been an issue. But, Nick, with all of the concerns that we have after four games, after the first quarter of the season, what's your biggest concern? Yeah, and that's and that's a tough question, Will, because I think there are a couple of them now that we're going, you know, game five now. I think the biggest one for me is that, like, throughout a game, there isn't just that sustainability on offense, the sustained drives to actually move the ball downfield and get into scoring position. Um, there's so many times where, like we talked about execution on third downs, where it's inhibiting the Bears from really doing anything. Whether it's Nick Fol- now Nick Foles being the guy missing a throw, or James Daniels just clearly missing a block, or whether it's a tight end not not getting open, it could be a multitude of things. But you can never count on the Bears' offense to really sustain a drive. If anything, maybe a penalty really helps them out, and they'll give them that initial first down 
but we're right back to where we started with three other plays punting. So it's really just having, again, I, I talked about this a lot, consistency, but this offense just doesn't have that. Unless their backs are against the wall in the fourth quarter, even that garbage time, they're moving the ball downfield. Like, don't even look at last week's touchdown drive as something that is a positive because the Colts are playing an entirely different defense. But you just don't see that. And you know, here's here's another thing: the sense of urgency to start games or to start the third quarter with trying to actually consistently put up a, some kind of points. You don't see that from the Bears' offense. And now we're going into Week Five. I don't see it really changing, to be completely honest. Yeah, it's at least this week. Uh, again, yeah. it's a short week. Crazy games happen. It's Thursday night football. Uh, and I guess we're going to have to be the ones to watch those games a little bit more intently, which usually those are the ones you kind of half watch, kind of half don't. Uh, for me, third down is a big one. Just with you, Nick, I guess my bigger concern is the lack of getting more guys involved who I think should have bigger roles on this offense like the fact that Demetrius Harris is like working his way up the target list baffles me. I understand that defenses aren't really keying in on him, but why can't you do the same for a Cole Komet? I'm still curious why they don't want to get him involved in this offense. It feels like the opportunities are there or they would be there if they give him that. Right now, our only tight end production is one big play by Jimmy Graham, a couple of quick outs from Jimmy Graham, and then a couple of quick one yard, couple yard throws to Jimmy Graham in the red zone, which work, and I'm glad we can get the points on the board there. But when we need to move the ball, we don't have, for some reason, Cole Komet, you know, busting down the seam and trying to get free that way or hitting him on a decent crossing route and having him turn up field is a little bit more agile as well. Javon Wims, another receiver that started off the year with some decent looks, and he's starting to taper off. And Darnell Mooney, I, I get he's been an awesome surprise, and I'm excited to see what his role can do. But then other diminishing roles, like an Anthony Miller, for some reason Riley Ridley can't even suit up anymore. Like, and he was a high draft pick that was touted last year for the Bears. Just a lot of people who I thought the Bears have talent in, but for some reason they cannot tap into this talent. You look at Tampa Bay's offense, and I know they have a Hall of Fame quarterback, but they have all these injuries. They're throwing in guys I've never heard of, and they're finding a way to get it done. So how come all of these players that come in with high remarks, come in with talent, and we talk about the talent all offseason, it gets us, you and I, Nick, super excited for the season, just knowing the talent on offense, heck, both sides of the ball. But for offense right now, Matt Nagy's not doing a good job of utilizing his talent. Instead, we're going to just go pass happy, and that's going to go to primarily Allen Robinson, who's already leaps and bounds ahead of the target share. And then you have a guy like Demetrius Harris, who's inching his way up there with a Jimmy Graham for tight ends, and he already has I think four or five more targets in Cole Komet right now. So to me, this doesn't make a lot of sense. And just player utilization is going to be probably my biggest concern. And I know that's a week-by-week game plan thing. But again, you think they would find a way to get some of these other playmakers involved a little bit more consistently. I don't know if you're starting to have that same feeling too, Nick. But it's kind of like when I sit back and look at the macro level, I just wonder, like, why can't these guys have roles on offense? No, and that's a really good point because I know a lot of people are starting to get frustrated just why isn't Cole Komet in, involved in this offense? Is he like – I've seen some people, I think, pushing a little too far. Like, is he's already on pace to be like a bust or something like that. Like, let's – I mean, we can call him the waters there. It doesn't help if your head coach slash play caller is not in, intentionally trying to get you the ball. Like, I, I would need to really go back and – 
really watch all the film to see if Cole Komet's ever ran, ran a seam route. Like I have, I'm like Willie Tobel's put money on it that he has it, which is crazy because there's so many plays and you know if he's not getting the ball, you're not really paying attention to number 85. But it just doesn't seem like that's even an option, which is baffling to me considering how much the, the Bears obviously liked him, wanted him, and I think he can be a guy that could stretch a field, ver- stretch a defense vertically. But if you don't get the opportunities, we'll we'll never know. And in training camp. It was always Jimmy Graham, Cole Komet dominating practice. Why hasn't this translated to any of the first four games of the season? Like Cole Komet, he should have a role in this offense. I, I'm at the point where there's no excuse not to give him a role. And I feel like every one of his targets, besides his one catch, they've just been trash opportunities where there's a guy draped all over him. They're just forcing a throw. Like it was his last read, whoever was playing quarterback, last guy in the progression. And I'm not going to throw away. I threw at this big guy, even though he's already going to get nailed right there. So he hasn't gotten any really quality looks that I feel like are putting him in a position to succeed and, you know, utilize his skill set. So player utilization for me is the biggest concern uh, heading into the second quarter here of the season. Uh, With this, Nick, let's move into the defense already. Something that the 2018 Chicago Bears defense did so well was taking that football away. And since then, Chicago's had such a difficult time recapturing some of that magic. The Bears are currently 19th in the NFL uh, with one turnover per game on average for in the year. And Tampa Bay, they've had their fair share of ball security issues. They've turned it over six times, which is 10th most in the NFL. Feels like Tom Brady has a pick six at least once a week nowadays. So that's encouraging, perhaps. Um, but I, as I was preparing for the show, Nick, a lot of those should have been moments kept kind of rearing their ugly, uh, you know, thoughts back into my head of like uh, Cleo Mack last week, Roquan Smith missed opportunity as well, and the Bears just haven't been able to take advantage. And the Buccaneers should give the Bears some chances here for takeaways, but will they take advantage? That's the really uh, the bigger question that I'm unsure of the answer. But Nick, when we look at some of these should have been how much do you think that if the bears would have had just a couple of these hey it can change the dynamic of a game but how does that change perhaps the narrative around this bears defense right now you know i think them not capitalizing it doesn't obviously make this unit the formidable defense that i thought they were going to be coming into this season and i thought you know getting robert quinn and, and guys like that or people obviously taking the next step up were going to help it get back to 2018 but now that i look at it and you see, like, the, the dropped interception. And Khalil Mack was real critical of himself. He's like, I'm, I felt so bad that I couldn't capitalize for my defense, for our guys, right? And, of course, he's going to say things like that. But I wonder if it's just, like, a mentality that has been lost ever since Vic Fangio left. Like, let's be completely honest. The defense has not been that dominant level since he left in 2018 to go be the head coach in Denver. And a lot of, there's a lot of the same players on this, on this Bears defense. It hasn't changed all too much. But yet the turnovers and sacks and just the whole, I, I would say, mentality of this defense has changed. They're just not capitalizing. Not they're not. Even there's times where they're not just in the right spot. Like uh, Khalil Mack was in the right spot that one time, but it doesn't seem like oh that could have been an interception. Oh that that should have almost been a fumble. It's like they're not even putting these defenders are not even putting themselves in positions as frequently as 2018 to make those kind of plays. And a lot of it is luck too. But, yeah, my perception of this unit is that they're good. They they do a pretty good job of keeping teams from the end zone, which is obviously what you'll, you'll take. But 
they're not great. They're not like a great, great unit as of right now. They have uh, drives where they can be great, three and outs, or you know where you actually see some pressure. But consistently throughout an entire game, we have yet to see that. And again, this week, I don't know if we do see that. This is not the opponent to to where you're going to see a complete game. Just just in my opinion. But yeah, that's just my initial my initial perception of this defense. Yeah, I think if you get some of these turnovers, just a few more of these, I think our tune would be a little different. I think people would be looking at the Bears defense, fearing them a little bit more than they are right now, because those are the big momentum swinging plays that we're missing. And with the team with an offense that needs every you know kick in the rear to get some sort of spark, some sort of points on the board, some sort of action, uh, we need to find a way to come away with these. Like you said, if you're in the right position, you got to execute um, and just make sure you don't squander any more of these. It's a lot of should have been this year that if, you know, we had those instead and they're not even should have been there, what happened, you don't even, I, I couldn't even imagine uh, what we would be saying about this Bears defense. Cause there's been quite a few of those. Jalen Johnson had that one week one where he let through his hands again, a couple last week. It's just been every week. I feel like they're missing a few of these opportunities. And if they capitalize on them, you can change the entire dynamic of a game. Maybe the Bears can actually, take care of an opponent instead of just barely beating an opponent. Uh, I know the offense has their own fair share of that as well, but like you said, Nick, this Bears defense, one thing it's done very, very, very well this year is not breaking. Uh, they've been below average in terms of bending. Uh, they've they've allowed 16 trips into the red zone so far this season. Uh, they've allowed an average of four trips per game, which is the third most in the NFL, which blew me away. Like The Bears are actually playing in the red zone on defense, at the third highest rate in the NFL. And if they only allowed two more red zone trips in these previous four games, they would have been the most already. Now, the good news is, even though teams get down there, they don't always come away with touchdowns. Actually, they do it less than 40% of the time. It's at 37.5% of trips, which is the best mark in the NFL. Uh, Pagano's unit, they've done a great job of getting the job done, not allowing teams to put up touchdown after touchdown instead just settling for field goals and again unfortunately that kind of gets squandered away we all wish the defense I think Nick you would agree that if we had our choice they wouldn't bend as much as they do Uh, we would have it not reaching the red zone as often as offenses had so far but at least they are holding their ground once they're in there now it's another difficult uh, I feel like I'm saying that with almost every talking point so far but with Tampa Bay they bring a really potent Red zone offense, the second most effective offense in the red zone this season. They're scoring touchdowns on 80% of their red zone trips. So it's going to be a chess match down there, Nick, between Chuck Pagano, Tom Brady, Bruce Arians. It's a game within a game. And if you know if the Bears' defense can't hold tight in the red zone like they have been, this game could easily get out of reach in a hurry. So what are your thoughts on the Bears' red zone defense as well as what they're going to be seeing this week versus Tampa Bay? And I know Mike Evans is injured. He seems like he's playing through injury. We all know what kind of monster he can be in the red zone. Yeah, absolutely. And a guy that I think is maybe a little bit forgotten because we haven't heard his name a little, you know, all too often this season is Rob Gronkowski with O.J. Howard tearing his ACL last week against the Chargers. I sh- I would expect a guy like that who has such familiarity with, with Tom Brady, as we all know, to see more looks, especially in the red zone with that big body. And Unlike the Bears, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers like to actually throw their tight ends and will throw and have them run seam routes down the middle of the field. So and the same could be applied to what is going to happen in the red zone. Cameron Brait, uh, Chicago native, his uh, fun fact, favorite player was Jay Cutler growing up, uh, what is a guy that caught a, you know, a red zone touchdown last week. It was a simple motion plays out wide, motions in. 
then just kind of runs a little slant route and gets mixed up with the defenders and wide open for a touchdown. Tom Brady's going to execute that kind of play nine times out of ten, even ten times out of ten, because he knows what the defense is in and knows he's got a big body in their tight end. So you definitely have to count for that. And you, you mentioned it. Mike Evans is such a big body target. And just watching that game, and I don't know, Will, if he's going to give it a go. Like, he was hobbling so much but yeah. still getting catches. But it's like it's – it's it's going to be interesting to see um, what he can do if he's able to go. He's still, I think, an effective big body receiver. But they just have a lot of big guys that you could throw out there and create mismatches. So Roquan Smith, Danny Trevathan have to be on their game, especially against those tight ends. Sure do. Uh, I'd be really interested to see how healthy Tampa Bay goes in. And, heck, maybe they even feel like we don't need all these playmakers because all we need is a couple of drives and points. And if our defense is going to hold Pat – against this offense it's it won't it doesn't take a lot of points to beat the chicago bears is kind of the way i'm going to summarize it here nick uh moving on just like the offense i did want to give us an opportunity to share our biggest concern on defense um, after the first quarter of the season uh what is your biggest concern yeah so i how personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo advisors Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. I think looking at it right now, um, we know that you could. Right now, I think Akeem Hicks is playing out of his mind through four games. He looks like the old Akeem Hicks of old and just how he's able to dominate. And you also see Cleo Mack doing the same thing. But what we kind of talked about last week in our post game, and even just, yeah, in the post game shows, like who's going to be that next guy um, along the front seven? Like, do we see bits and pieces from Roquan Smith? But we haven't seen much. From the first snap, Robert Quinn stepped onto the field. You thought he was going to be great. Now it's like, where's Robert Quinn at? So I guess my biggest question mark or concern for this defense is, can we get some consistency or just some productivity from some of the other guys? Because I'm seeing it from Akeem Hicks. I'm seeing it from Khalil Mack. And that was start, you know, kind of the problem last year to start off the season. Who else is going to step up? I need to see Robert Quinn, who's getting paid a lot of money to rush the quarterback. Uh, Roy Robinson Harris, who got who signed his tender this season, Bilal Nichols started to reemerge last week against the Colts. So I just if the if the pressure I think is amplified on a consistent basis throughout a game and not just one or two drives, that that secondary has more opportunities to make those plays that are should have been and not you know what if. So I think if we can get more pressure from those other players that we were hoping would we'd be creating it by now that that might be a, a recipe for success but that's my biggest concern that they don't do it yeah that's a very valid one uh that's one that's high on my list i think my biggest concern is what we've talked about a lot so i'm not going to hit on it too much yet again but it is that run defense up the middle it did look better last week uh it's looked a little bit better with each last two games i would say um but it's still there where as a season wears on as players get well right now they're hopefully getting more conditioned um but at the end stages here of fatigue starts setting in uh things of that nature uh it's still an area where i feel like the bears can be bullied if an offense really wanted to you know run it down our throats they can find a way to get it done uh with 
the lack of a true nose tackle right now for the Bears. So just seeing how that kind of evolves and that still becomes a, or remains an issue throughout the next quarter of the season or if we can just get that off of our radar and they can make that a non-factor yet again, that'd be great. That's kind of what I'm hoping for. But as it stands today, as I'm looking into the next four games, uh, that's still going to be one of my concerns because it has been such a great strength. And now if it, that becomes consistently exploited and when your strength is now a weakness, then the trickle effect, as we've talked about on all three levels of this defense, uh, could be potentially huge. Uh, so that's why it's still going to be my top concern. Real quickly, special teams, Nick, any big topics? Uh, the only two I have is can we find someone who wants to return punts that they are willing to allow to return punts? And can the Bears special teams just eliminate the stupid penalties? Those are my top two. Yeah, no, those are a good two for sure. I don't know if you saw this, Will, but the Bears were, according to Jason Leisure of the Sun-Times, but they're working out Kai Forbath, the kicker, um, as of right now. I don't know if that's an indicator that, hey, we're, we're tired of what we've seen from Cairo Santos up to this point, and also Eddie Pinheiro's not anywhere near to coming back. Could be. Uh, but you mentioned it, the, the penalties. I It was Kendall Vildor with a holding penalty. Pat, um, Cordell Patterson with the unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. Buster Screen with a holding penalty. And Barkevius Mingo with the legal block above the waist penalty in last week's loss to the Indianapolis Colts. So you have to clean that up. Four penalties just on special teams alone. I think it was either 9 or 10 on the day for the Bears total, which obviously is way, way, way too much. But just not a, a good outing for the special teams unit. And We'll see what happens with the kicker situation. I think anytime you work out somebody, there's got to be some you know reason behind that, but we'll have to wait and see what actually happens. Well, in particular with COVID and all the protocols and hoops and things you have to work through to bring people into your building, that's a lot of extra work for, like you said, that something is there. I don't know you can illegally block someone above the waist. What's it, uh, yeah, like so what? When, I, when I saw that, uh, just ESPN, the play-by-play, it's that, uh, illegal block and the the words kept going above the waist so i'm like that's new i i never had seen that on there but yeah you can go just the play by play i forgot exactly when that penalty happens but illegal block above the waist that's something. i understand you can block him in the back i understand you can do a blind side mm-hmm. block but <laughs> well, you hit him above, above the, the waist. waist like isn't that where you want the contact to be initiated i thought we we're trying to stay away from like the knees and such but okay uh you very would think. you you would think um, so looking up next on our notes, we do have to give out some X factors for both offense and defense, uh, potentially a wild card if you have one. Looking at the Chicago Bears offense, my X factor this week, I'm going with Darnell Mooney. Really much the reason what I talked about with my bigger concerns is player utilization. We just need a secondary option outside of Allen Robinson that we can trust and we can get in an effective role, in a consistent role. Mooney seems to be that guy. I know he had some missed opportunities last week. Some missed opportunities on third down, but at least he got his targets. At least Nick Foles was looking his way. What the Bears need to do between Foles and Mooney is just find a way to make sure those targets, those those snaps count. Yards, you know, on the ground are going to be tough sledding this week, so I think the Bears will need to push it through the air. And if they can get Darnell Mooney in a groove uh, in parallel with Allen Robinson, that should help the Bears' cases. I already know Allen Robinson's going to get all the looks. He's going to get a bunch of targets. The defense is going to be focusing in on him. Mooney's going to get some one-on-one matchups. He needs to find a way to beat him, and Foles needs to hit him with the throw. So for me, Mooney is someone that can maybe open up this offense a little bit. So that's why he's going to be my X-Factor heading into this game. How about you, Nick? 
Yeah, before I give you my X factor real quick, well, I just want to make sure I correct it. The Bears had eight penalties for 103 yards, not nine or ten. Not much better, but just had to clear that out of the way. <laughs> so for my X factor, I took it as the whole entire wide receiver group will. Um, they need to be the X factor. And I, I don't know if you saw this on our last preview show. We actually had a comment from one of our listeners, Mike Jameson. And I think I liked how he interpreted uh, the X factor. And he said, I feel like the X factor should mean what area will be the factor that will produce the win. Simple, but yet effective. So I using Mike's uh, interpretation of the X factor, I took the wide receiver group because Allen Robinson, I think he's going to have a tough task this week because he's going to be lined up wherever he goes, left side, in the slot, right side, Carlton Davis, number 24, he travels. He goes wherever their number one wide receiver did. He did, exact, he did the exact same thing to Keenan Allen last week. And Keenan Allen, that's the guy that I think a lot of people compare Allen Robinson to in terms of like contract, what they should get. Well, Keenan Allen had eight receptions for 62 yards on 12 targets. So I would say Carlton Davis kind of won that matchup. So that's a, that's the one I'm obviously looking at. Anthony Miller is going to be going against Sean Murphy Bunting, who is in his second season now, a 2019 second-round draft pick. Saw him get beat a couple of times on seam routes down the middle of the field, on deep routes. So if Anthony Miller can take advantage of that and catch the football, then the Bears are going to be in a good situation. And you mentioned it, Darnell Mooney, who's going to have Jamal Dean most likely on him. I The, the Bucks were giving up some deep passes. We know Darnell Mooney has that speed. Send him on a vert and let's have Nick Foles actually air it out and not throw it under, behind him to where Darnell Mooney has to slow down. But the whole X factor for me on offense is really just going to be those Bears wide receivers making plays and winning those one-on-one matchups. All right, we'll switch over to the defense here. I'm going to go with a wild card. You already kind of alluded to it, so maybe we're thinking alike and maybe I'm going to steal yours here. But I'm going to go with Robert Quinn and whether or not he shows up because he's going up against our left tackle, Donovan Smith. He's allowed a team-high seven pressures and two sacks. He also leads the NFL in holding calls with three. So that's a favorable matchup. You at least would assume on paper the Robert Quinn the Bears signed in this offseason would be able to exploit this matchup. Just saying. So attention is always going to be on Khalil Mack. We know that each week. On the opposite side, just like Darnell Mooney with Allen Robinson getting those one-on-ones, you better believe Quinn's going to have his one-on-one opportunities here with Donovan, who, again, is their worst offense alignment for Tampa Bay so far in terms of pressures allowed, sacks allowed, and he leads the NFL with holding calls. And so I think this is huge because if he can get into the backfield, into the pocket, and just make life a living hell for Tom Brady, who's not mobile, he's not agile, he's in his 40s, he's coming on a short week himself, he's going to be a little bit sore. Maybe you can, I'm going to use the word rattle. I don't know if you can ever rattle Tom Brady, but I put it in my notes, so I'm going to say it anyway. But you just can't let Tom Brady have a clean pocket because if you have a clean pocket for Tom Brady, he's going to find a way to beat you. Uh, It's just what he does. He's seen everything. Uh, It doesn't matter. But the only way you can potentially beat him is if you get him off his mark. You make him hurry up his clock a little bit. And we've already seen he's prone to giving you some opportunities too uh, for some big plays on defense. So, uh, but on top of that, what worries me about Quinn, he has three pressures this season, uh, two of which came pretty much right when he entered the game um, a few weeks ago. But those three pressures are the same exact amount of pressures that we've gotten from Mario Edwards, and they're only half the amount of pressures that we've got from both Roy Robertson-Harris and Mingo individually. They each have six. Quinn has three. And Quinn's getting paid a lot more money to do a lot more things 
in terms of terrorizing quarterbacks than we've seen so far. So if he shows up, that could be a huge wild card in the Bears' benefit, and that's why he's going to be my guy here for defense. How about you? You know what? Well, again, I went a little bit bigger picture. I just took the Bears' consistent pass rush on Tom Brady because last week that Buccaneers' offensive line did not give up a sack. So that's a a unit that was playing some really good football last week, and obviously it's a tough task with Khalil Mack and maybe if Robert Quinn shows up. But I think a lot of the same reasons you had Tom Brady – Hey, look, he, last week he threw five touchdowns to five different receivers, but like you also mentioned, he did throw a pick six. He, he tried anticipating the the receiver being at a spot, and he just never got there. But he's a guy that, like you said, you can't really rattle, but you can make him uncomfortable. You can make him – he doesn't have, I would say, the arm strength that he used to. On the out routes, it takes a little bit longer for the ball to get there, but if he also has Akeem Hicks in his face, that makes life a lot more difficult to throw a football. So I think it's just going to be consistent – pressure on Tom Brady because he's a guy like I, I mentioned he's going to find those tight ends down the seams and he's usually going to deliver a, a nice accurate football to where those guys his playmakers can take advantage of of the footballs there so consistent pressure the Bears didn't really get that much on Phillip Rivers another guy that really can't move within the pocket there was a couple of times where you know Roy Robinson Harris actually had a sack on the first drive the Bears opted to accept the holding penalty and took away his sack unfortunate for Roy Robinson Harris but I think it was was it Brent Urban that actually got the the one sack on Mm -hmm. on Phillip Rivers so um we need to see more of that against again against a good quarterback in Tom Brady who knows how to deliver the football if you could do that it'll make the defense's job just a little bit easier there we go very much in line here Nick moving on to the backbreaker section again this is where nick and i we look at the most pivotal matchup on each side of the ball i have offense this week nick you have defense since we just talked about defense i feel like i kind of want to keep that rolling here with you so what's gonna be your defensive backbreaker yeah so i guess it all depends here will i think mike evans is a mismatch problem with with a lot of um it doesn't matter if it's jalen johnson or or kyle fuller he is a guy that can use his big body to his advantage and really take uh, a ball that Tom Brady will trust, just a 50-50 ball, and bring it down. And I know we've seen a really good play from Jalen Johnson, but that's a guy that if you get him going just along the sidelines where that's a lot where a lot of the times where Mike Evans makes a lot of his big-time plays, that's going to hurt this defense because then you're just making it a lot more open in the middle of the field where you're trusting – are we really trusting Danny Trevathan, Roquan Smith, maybe a Deion Bush in the middle – where you can have a guy like let's say it's a um, um, Dwayne on the tight ends and not Cameron Brait, but um, the tight uh, end for the Gronkowski again. No, I'm thinking uh, the other the, one. The but, one that's hurt. No, 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 the other one. There's, how many tight ends do they have? Are they the Bears? So Gronkowski. Uh, see, he he's more of a down the field seam Brait. Uh, I'm blinking on the freaking tight end's name. I'm gonna look her up. Oh, it is Cameron Brait. He's a guy that likes to work in the middle of the field. Sorry. Um, so that's a guy, like, if Mike Evans is going to get going down the left sideline, then you're just making a deep in route to a Cameron Braid who's just going to take that for an advantage. So if the Bears can't handle him when he's injured, that's a problem. So I think that's a big guy that you have to look at. I was I was going to put Ronald Jones here, Will, um, just because he is an efficient runner. But, man, that guy cannot catch. Like, you watch, you watch the game last week against the Chargers. There were just so many easy passes right over the middle of the field drop 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 so it's just he's going to be the main factor for Ronald Jones as a runner 
But I just think Mike Evans, even injured, is more of a problem for this Bears defense, if he's, especially if he can get going. We already know running backs that have issues catching the football have been the Bears' best friend. Uh, so I appreciate you not using him as the backbreaker. He's going to be like your best friend kind of guy. So for me, looking at the Bears' offense, man, that front seven for the Bucks. I'm looking at both Bears' tackles, Leno Jr., Bobby Massey versus the edges, uh, Shaquille Barrett. I know Jason Pierre-Paul's listed. Uh, I don't know if he practiced or not. I don't think many people really practice on these short weeks anyway. Uh, so we'll see if he's playing or not. But these two combine, uh, just if we're going to assume they both play, they combine for five sacks and 30 pressures in the game in the first four games of the season. They're going to be coming in hot um, if they abuse the tackles all game long, uh, which we saw them both struggle last week. They're not going to give Nick Foles a chance to have this offense even up. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Whatsoever, we're going to be in a lot of trouble. Um, if they can't set the edge or seal the edge, it'll be tough sledding for the Bears in the ground if they're trying to get to the outside, which is the expectation. And the Bears need to succeed through the air. You know, if it's only possible if these two guys do their job, Nick, if they allow Barrett, if they allow Pierre Paul to just light up Foles, who isn't mobile. I believe when Foles played Tampa a year ago, he had he was under pressure like consistently, had no shot, had one of his worst games. So they have to find a way to give them an opportunity. And it's going to start with these edges. And even when you look inside, they have guys like Sue, Vita Vey. Like this whole front seven, Nick, they're a very savvy group because they're all veterans. They're seasoned, but they're really good players too. And they play cohesively as a unit. And they just have a, like a subtle nuance about them, a little bit of that swagger. And they can really, if they start operating in all cylinders, be a nightmare for the Bears. So for this one, I'm looking at the tackles. But I want to make sure people know, don't sleep on the interior of that line for the Buccaneers as well. It's a very good front seven that will test this Bears offense uh, from the very first to the final whistle. All right, moving on, Nick. Who has the edge? This week, looks like you're up first with the Bears running offense versus that Tampa Bay Buccaneers running defense. I think last week we had our first going against the Bears uh, once. And I have a hunch that we're going to see a few more of these today. And I think we're going to see one right now. Yeah, I'm going with the Bucks on this one, Will. I just Los Angeles, uh, the Chargers had 46 rushing yards versus the Bucks last week. And I know they lost Austin Eckler. Uh, my fantasy team knows that. So, um, it, and it's a short week, Will, where there's so many issues that I think this Bears run offense the offensive line specifically has to address coming into this matchup. And you mentioned a lot of the guys on there that's going to make life difficult to run the football effectively and efficiently. Like Vito Veo was a guy, Will, just watching on film, he kept making plays, and that's a big dude, and he's getting into the backfield making plays for that Bucks defense. And I just don't see it happening, especially on a short week, given how much this offense struggled to win at the point of attack. This is a aggressive, fast-flowing defense, and – I think honestly it looks a lot like it's I think it's going to look a lot like it did last week where it's an aggressive fast flowing defense but to be completely honest I think there's just more playmakers on this one even though statistically they're not playing as well as the Colts 
I look at some of the names and how some of these guys have been playing. It's a good unit, so I don't see it happening this week. I'll give it to the Bucks' run defense. All right, sticking with the Bears' offense, I have the passing attack versus that Buccaneers' passing defense. And when you look at that Buccaneer defense, they've been above average uh, when it comes to their passing attack. They enter the week 19th in yards allowed. But then when you take a little bit of a deeper look, uh, they've allowed six passing touchdowns, which is the eighth fewest in the NFL. They've picked off quarterbacks five times, which is the fifth most in the league. Quarterbacks have a pass rating of about 93.4 against them, which is the 10th least allowed. And their pass rush, as I mentioned, worries me. They've been pretty on point. They're taking down quarterbacks on sacks on 9.27% of all dropbacks, which is the third best rate in the NFL. So they're good at getting after quarterbacks. They're good at taking the football away, being advantageous, being aggressive with the ball in the air. And those are things that I think can really shut down the Bears' ability to move the ball through the air right now. So uh, due to the fact that the Bears are also, as you said, probably going to have a hard time moving the ball on the ground, the Bears are going to probably have to go with Matt Nagy's tried-and-true pass-happy attack. Man, if I'm that Buccaneer secondary, their defensive ends, I'm licking my chops. I'm excited to see what opportunities are going to come my way. So for this one, as like you, Nick, I'm going to give it to the Buccaneers' defense, their passing defense, to have the edge over the Bears' offense. Now, hey, if the Bears are down by three scores and it's the fourth quarter, maybe things change a little bit. But every other play, every other quarter, every other situation, definitely is the Buccaneers each and every time this week. All right, moving on to the Bears' defense. I have this one first. I have the Bears' running defense versus that Buccaneers rushing offense. And Tampa Bay this season, they haven't ran it far too often. They're 25th in rushing attempts, 27th in rushing yards per game at 97.8. Very similar when you look at them where they rank, where the Lions and the Falcons rank right now. Leonard Fournette, I know he missed last week. I'm on sure of his status. Nick, do you have any clue if he's going to play or not? I don't. I have no idea. So I think it's just wait and see. So I'm in Ronald Jones mode, uh, just kind of assuming he's going to be the primary back over there. And he did have 100 yards on the ground, but and he's someone, too, that he thrives rushing between the tackles, breaking easy arm tackles. And we've known the Bears have been able to do that uh, ineffectively on defense, allowing those good rushes in between the tackles, some longer ones than we've seen in years past. And I'm hoping that the Bears' rushing defense, as we've said they slowly are starting to trend in the right direction, can continue to do so this week. It will be a tough test, but I'm going to give the Bears a slight edge here because I don't believe the Buccaneers' ability to run the ball because, A, they don't do it a lot, and, B, they don't get a lot of yardage. I don't believe it should impact the game negatively too much for this Bears defense. So I'm going to give the Bears running defense the edge here, uh, even though it does worry me that the strength of this rushing attack is right between the tackles, which is right where all the concerns lie for me um, on this Bears rushing defense. So it's a tough one, um, but I'm going to slightly give it to Chicago here. How about you, Nick? You have the Bears passing defense versus the Buccaneers passing offense brought to you by Tom Brady. Yeah, exactly. And that's where the issue lies there, Will. Maybe the Bear, the Bucks don't have the most effective day on the ground against the Bears, but with Tom Brady, it's really any receiver, tight end, running back, and obviously the wide receivers at any moment that can get the football. Like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, five different players caught a touchdown for the Buccaneers, five passing touchdowns for Tom Brady. And I think even last week, there were just times where the Bears defense, they gave up some plays. And that's against Phillip Rivers and some guys that 
I don't think are as the caliber of what this Buccaneers offense can bring on a drive-to-drive basis. So I know that the secondary, like we've talked about, well, they've been playing pretty good. They took a step back last week. Can the pass rush affect Tom Brady enough to where he's not going to have time to see these receivers downfield? I don't know, but if I and I do have to choose. I'm going to say if I have to choose, I do have to choose. I'm going with the Bucks again. So both of mine, I'm going in the Bucks um, favor here. It, this one was a little. This one was a lot closer to me going in the Bears direction than my first matchup with the Bears run offense versus the Bucks run defense. But I give the slight edge to the Buccaneers here. Okay, wow, three to one edge to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this week. And Nick, do you know who has the edge between my show notes and me? Your show notes. I, my show notes, because they reminded me, hey, at the X Factor, we're supposed to pause to tell people about supporting our podcast, expressing who did support our podcast this week, and giving away some tremendous shout-outs. And I scrolled right over it, and I was like, I feel like I'm missing something. So my show notes have the edge between me and the document in front of me. So thank you, document. So Nick, taking a few steps back, you want to let people know how they can support our show and then also get into our weekly shout-outs. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I was going to stop you before we got to the coach's corner, so don't worry. I had it in my notes, but we were on a roll, so just wanted to let it keep going there. So, yeah, we did get some donations last week and I think actually earlier today. So we're here to give those shout-outs, and the first shout-out goes to Anthony Buckus. And what a last name, first of all, Buckus. I mean, obviously um, being affiliated with the Bears with Dick Buckus, but Anthony, thank you so much for the donation. We truly appreciate it. And then we have Austin Greger from Indianapolis. And Austin, again, thank you so much. I think Austin was the one who donated today or yesterday. So thank you so much for the donation and everyone who's donated in the past. And oh, we got for, one more, Nick. One more. Oh, I got go. Gonzo. I uh, gave us a $4.99 super chat here in YouTube. So I think that qualifies for a shout out as well. He also mentions that he misses the Bears song that we used to play. Uh, we don't usually play that on the live recording of the show. It's on the podcast. So if you want to hear it, definitely download the podcast, and then you can hear that awesome song. It's a good one. Um, but, yes, thank you to everyone this week for your support, all three of you, especially um, Austin here uh, from Indianapolis, because anytime a Hoosier, a fellow Hoosier, because I'm a Indiana native myself, uh, helps support the show, that always puts an extra smile on my face. So thank you so much to everyone who supported the show this week. And, Nick, uh, my interruption's over, and it's back to you. Yeah, so if you want to get a shout-out on the next preview podcast, here's how you can make that happen. Uh, any donation that you feel is right, you can send it through Venmo or PayPal. And on Venmo, that's at the Chicago Audible. You should see my name, the Chicago Audible logo. And on PayPal, that's www.chicagoaudible.com slash PayPal. One more time for Venmo is at the Chicago Audible. And PayPal is www chicagoaudible.com slash paypal and all these donations they help us run this show the software the equipment and usually what will and i will do this comes out of our pocket but that's what we use all the donations to kind of help run the show and make it as you know efficient and you know as best as possible we'd love to inform you guys the best football fans in the world and very passionate fan base so we use that those donations to kind of help us you know do that so like i said thank you to everybody in the past that's donated it's really helped out a lot yeah i was able to up my internet speed uh, like a month or so ago because of this which helps the live stream be a little bit more efficient a little bit more smooth i think everyone's been noticing that which is awesome uh, so it really is appreciated on all fronts here 
But Nick, we have a few more things to do for this post, post, gee, not yet, or a couple days ahead of myself, this preview episode. And like you said, up next is our coach's corner. This is where we look at a strength and a weakness of our upcoming opponent. And we just talk about how the Bears can either uh, mitigate a strength or overcome a weakness or vice versa, however you want to look at it. And Nick Suchi just kind of had the shout outs. I'll take mine first, even though it's second in our notes. Uh, something that the Buccaneers are bad at and what the Bears must do to exploit it. So for me, it's, I'm going back to penalties. The Buccaneers are pretty bad at that too, and the Bears themselves need to find a way to be disciplined. Uh, looking at the NFL's penalty logs, the Buccaneers are one of the most penalized teams in the league. Yes, and even believe it or not, they are called for more penalties than the Chicago Bears. They have 31 accepted calls against, which is the third most in the NFL. The Bears are fifth uh, with 29, by the way, in case you're wondering at home. My coaching point this week, if I were in that locker room, would be pretty simple. Just be smart. Don't allow penalties to shoot us in the foot. We saw too much of that last week in all three phases, and it just needs to be the other team, the Buccaneers, that put themselves in a bad situation like they have all season uh, due to their penalties as well. The Buccaneers, they've been called for holding five times this year, uh, which is the second most. They're grabby. So if I am Robert Quinn... Akeem Hicks, Roy Robson Harris. If I, I try to, if I was Khalil Mack, even though you can't buy a hold when you are Khalil Mack, Khalil Mack I try to make it obvious. Just, you know, try to, you know, they're going to grab. They're, they're just doing that all season long. And on top of that, they've been called for defensive pass interference five times, which is the third most. So learning from that, you're going to know they're aggressive uh, with the ball in the air. They may be trying to make a play on a ball, even if it's going to be pretty quick. So the receivers need to know that's coming their way. Um, as well and heck if we need to do the old play we did last week where you chuck it down the field and you hope for a penalty call this may be another week where that could work so it's a short week uh the penalties i think are going to be a game within the game uh these are two of the most penalized teams in the nfl on a short week and uh we'll see too many issues with the yellow laundry for the bears but let's see if uh maybe this week they can just sit back and allow the bucks to be the ones that allow the penalties to become a big negative for their team unlike last week where uh, we were pretty disappointed from the Bears, uh, I'm going to say effort there, um, at least cleaning those up and making sure those don't become a factor because it really hurt the Bears in all three phases. So let the Bucks beat themselves, or at least help the Bucks help you beat them. So Nick, for you, what are the Buccaneers really good at, which we learned is a decent amount of things. So where, what are you focusing <laughs> on, and uh, what are you going to do to combat it? Yeah, so we did learn that the Bucks are pretty good. They're pretty good at football. They really are. But they're really good at stopping the run. I think you mentioned the stat. Well, number two in the league, only allowing 64.3 yards per game. And you got guys like Vita Vea, who right now is just having a fantastic season. I don't know how much you put into PFF grades, but they have him ranked as a number seven interior defense alignment. But another guy that really helps that run defense is Levante David, who I think is a lot like a Darius Leonard from the Colts, guy that's just sideline to sideline, fast-flowing, downhill, makes a lot of plays. He's currently ranked for PFF number two inside linebacker, and he was PFF's defensive player of the week. And here's the thing. The Bears, they need to try to establish a run because we saw last week what happens if they don't. Matt Nagy reverts to his old ways. It gets pass-happy. So if you could maybe have some big runs or just even be efficient – that way, Matt Nagy's not going to revert to his old self. He'll maybe commit to the run a little bit longer. I think that overall, that just makes the offense a little bit better because you're not going so pass-happy, shotgun, knowing, giving the defense an indicator of exactly what's going to happen. 
you keep it a little bit more honest. So it's going to be finding a way to run the ball effectively. It's easier said than done. I already expressed my skepticism that the Bears can actually do that, but they need to find a way. Juan Castillo needs to find what the Bears, well, they didn't do anything well last week, so scrap it all, find a new kind of way to take advantage of maybe an aggressive defense and hit them with, so what you, a lot of teams will do with outside runs, they'll run a bunch of them consecutively to hit them with an inside run, backside would use David Montgomery's vision to find those holes, maybe get a big run that way. That's all it takes. Maybe. Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm. In the order it was received, please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. We one big, one big 30, 40-yard run to really spark an offense sometimes, so... Like I said, easier said than done, but the Bears need to find a way to be efficient on the ground. I don't think it happens, but that's going to be you know one way that the Bears can put themselves in a position to have a better day on offense. Yeah, again, if they're one-dimensional against this Buccaneers defense, it's not going to be an advantageous spot for this offense. They do need to find a way to mix it up and keep the defense honest, which, again, you can say that every week, but with a week like this where we – know how hard it's going to be for the Bears to run on the ground it just makes sense that they have to find a way to make the Buccaneers think about it a little bit more than they probably are right now so Nick all we need to do and this is it all we need to do is uh, hand out a few predictions and uh, we'll call it a preview show which may be a little shorter I know you're hoping for a shorter preview on a shorter week and I think we're about there so we'll see how this goes so prediction segment Always have to begin with our bold prediction. I think I went last week, so I'll go ahead and let you kick it off. What's going to be your week five bold prediction? Yeah, I was debating on if I wanted to go really negative with this or oh, go, like, take a positive route. So I, I'm going the positive route and just kind of thinking and going back to what Matt Nagy said today. He said, look, Cole Komet played 15 snaps last week against the Colts, which is not even – look. The, Will's face says it all. Not and Look, Matt Nagy said is not enough. He says that Komet is ready for a larger workload, which I hope he is, and that will be our job as coaches to make sure it's more than 15. Well, I would hope so. Bold prediction, Cole Komet is actually featured in the offense, getting five targets and catching a touchdown in this game against the Buccaneers. I'm not very confident in saying that, but that's my bold prediction. That's why it's a bold one. Five targets, which I think that's more than what he's got all season, if I'm not mistaken. But I have to go back and look at the stats. So five, at least five targets, and he scores a touchdown in this one against the Bucks. It's like three or four, uh, so I think you're right. Uh, I, I Obviously, it's been grinding my gears. But what really gets me is how that was said, or at least how you phrased it, like, he played 15 snaps last week. It's now game five of his career, so now he's ready for a bigger role. Like, what's that mean? Like, what was he showing you this week compared to last week? That makes no sense. And I think he in was— In the 15 snaps, too. In the 15 snaps, yeah. he showed you that he deserves a bigger workload. That, that's it. I mean, you know, on snap 14, we were on the fence. We are thinking about scaling it back to maybe seven or eight, cutting it in half. But maybe now, with that 15th snap, just him being on the field for that 15th snap— changes our perception of it. I don't know. It's just, it's weird. I, I think he was trying to like walk around the answer and then he got back to it when he said it's up, up to us to get him on the field more. And as a coach, 
this year, I feel the same way. Like I go in and I'm like, all right, every few plays, I got to get these receivers swapped out, get a tight end in there. And I blink. It's the second quarter. I'm like, oh, I look at my sideline and I I forgot to get a single sub in because you're just, you're trying to hit, get at it and get at it. So I understand that you can get narrow focused and, but he's an NFL coach. I coach middle school. So I, I'll, and this is my first year and he's been around the, been around it for a little <laughs> bit longer than that. So I think he should be able to have a little bit more wherewithal. Um, so for me, Getting back to my bold prediction, this one's a really bold one. I have two pick sixes by the Bears. So that's right. Tom Brady throws two pick sixes. Jalen Johnson, Eddie Jackson, if I had to be specific, uh, better yet, uh, those two touchdowns are probably going to be the only ones that the Bears score on the day. Uh, Tom Brady does have two of those thrown so far this season. He has four in his last six games. Again, it's bold. I'd love to see one. I just, actually, I'd just love to see an interception. Uh, from this Bears defense, but two pick sixes uh, could change this game and could win this game. Uh, so that's why it's my bold prediction. Trying to have some fun, trying to make it positive, and I want to see the Bears defense make some big moments like that. And just Tom Brady's always had the Bears number, and I want to see that change. Uh, it could be the last time we see him. So I want to make sure this doesn't end up as a team that he's never lost to because that's currently the, the narrative, currently what's in front of us, and I don't want that to be on the list of when we're looking back at Tom Brady's Hall of Fame career, you know, 10, 15 years from now, whenever he decides to retire, and they're like, and he never lost to the Chicago Bears. <laughs> I'm like, that, that's going to hurt my soul if that's what's going to be the case. So that's going to be my bold prediction, two pick sixes for Tom Brady, ultra bold prediction there. Who, Nick, MVB time. Uh, I'm curious of who you think will be the game's MVB because at <laughs> a game like this, uh, I don't know if, you know, you can say David Montgomery and they're going to get going on the ground or Nick Foles is going to pick it back up and we'll get moving. I don't know. So with you, I have someone down. Don't worry. But who's going to be your MVP? Yeah, I think I just got to go with the hottest player on the Bears right now. And Akeem Hicks just continuing to have. There you go. Me I think too. I have to continue with him. Um, I think he's got a favorable matchup with right guard Alex Kappa. Um, that's a guy that just given it doesn't matter who the right guard is really right now with how Akeem Hicks is playing because he has been that dominant and just making making people look silly out there. Just tossing him with one hand, getting around people with a swim move, using power. It doesn't matter what Akeem Hicks is doing and who he's going against. He's having success, and it is so fun to see that happen again. And just just him being on there I think gives a defense a chance and with his level of play. So – I'm going to go with him just because I wasn't really confident in anybody else. Like I wanted to give it on somebody on offense, but not really predicted the offense to have a, a stellar night uh, on Thursday night. So I'm going to go with Akeem Hicks because I know he's been consistent and he's been making plays, and I, I like the matchup against right guard Alex Kappa. Well, for those reasons, I also put Akeem Hicks. It's odd that out of every player that's starting for this team or heck, even has a role, we both go to 96 this week. It's real interesting uh, that, you know, we do these independently and we come to this same conclusion. So I'm hoping he has a big game. Um, he, he, We need some of that interior pressure. Get Brady off his mark. Get some, like you said it earlier in the show, you know, get someone in his face. And who's better than a former teammate of Akeem Hicks or Tom Brady to really, you know, stare him down and worry him just a little bit. And we talked about Ronald Jones. He's a in, inside the tackles type of runner. We saw Akeem Hicks doing some good things against the run last week. Even if it's a cross formation, that ability to close that gap, to close and to finish, it seems to be there yet again. And when you're looking at Akeem, uh, he has uh, he's tied for the most sacks by an interior D lineman this season with four. And he's also second 
uh, out of that same position group of QB hits, which is an additional four. So we know he's getting after quarterbacks. And then he also has 10 run stops, which is second at the position. And that, Nick, tells me Akeem Hicks is back because you know it. A lot of our longtime listeners know it. I call Akeem Hicks. He's that two-way defender. He can stop the run, and he can dominate quarterbacks and just pulverize them. And he's doing both those things again. And that's when you know Akeem Hicks is playing. I don't even know if this is to the top level yet or if he's just working his way up and he still has some more underneath the surface. But whatever it is, I want more of it. That's When I look at that last game, that's what got me energy looking back at it was Akeem Hicks. And we all know the Bears need the energy so Keem Hicks bringing the energy is another reason why the Bears will see him, or we will see him as the MVB. So Nick, up next, the last thing we got to do, well, almost the last thing. I always say that, but there's always more on the list. There's always more. Uh, so the game pick, we have to do this. We are both 3-1. and one. Uh, Curious which way you're going here, because I have a way I'm going here, and I'm not going to change it no matter what you do. So who do you have winning and why? Yeah, so I have I have a obviously a winner here, and it's not going to be the Bears. I like I think from the beginning of this podcast that you can just tell from my concerns with this team and how they played last week, a short turnaround to a Tampa Bay Buccaneers team that was down in, in the beginning of the game against the Chargers, found a way to come back and ultimately won thirty eight to thirty one in a high scoring affair. The Bears can't do that. They can't get into a high scoring game with the Buccaneers, and they also have a good defense. So. Just again, again, given what the Bears did last week and how the Buccaneers, all these, they're a good football team. We were just talking about it. Well, I'm going with the Buccaneers, 33 to 17. I think it's just going to actually prove that the Bears have even more problems than what were even expressed last week in the loss to the Indianapolis Colts. And at three and two, it's it's going to be like a little bit going into panic mode. But I don't have the Bears rebounding this week. Now in the short week against a future Hall of Famer and Tom Brady in that Buccaneers defense, 33-17 Buccaneers. Okay, so we have one guy going with the Buccaneers. Again, Tom Brady, he's never lost to Chicago Bears. If you look at his stats, he's sitting like 70% of his passes, 14 touchdowns to four picks. Uh, the lowest score he's ever put up against the Bears were 17 back in 2006. The Bears still lost. So again, 14 years later, nothing changes. Uh, I think this defense, though, I think the Bears' defense makes it close-ish. I think that the Buccaneers are very good at scoring in the red zone. We talked about that. Uh, That's really where this game could be uh, decided, is the Bears' ability to hold up true to their name so far, being a defense that offenses really can't score consistent touchdowns on them. The Bears' offense, Nick, we said it, a lot of work to be done with not a lot of time to do it this week. And I just feel like the third down woes, that inconsistency is going to haunt them again, uh, yet again here in week five. And they'll struggle to stay on the field. They'll struggle to put up points. And when you put this Bears defense on the field multiple times on short rests against Tom Brady, and depending on who, I don't even care who the weapons are almost, because we all know Brady's going to find a way to get it done. Uh, I have the Buccaneers winning as well. I don't think they reach 30. I think they average about 30 points per game. I think the Bears' defense is good enough. They'll hold them below their average. I'll give the Buccaneers 24. Bears, I have 13 on three scoring drives, but they can't find their way into the end zone. Again, I think, Nick, you'll say it, and I'll say it. We hope the Bears prove us wrong. Oh, absolutely. Like No one wants to come away on Friday morning to a 3-2 and two football team. Like That's not what we want, but... 
We're being objective here. Obviously, this is a Bears-oriented podcast, and we love you know love our Chicago Bears, but this just isn't a matchup that I like at all. And like like you just said, we we hope that the Bears prove us wrong. It's just really hard, Nick, for everything that was going wrong on Sunday to expect them to be able to clean it up within a few days. And again, it's the NFL, and things happen quick. Not every game translates to the next game, uh, and I'm hopefully they have a short memory and they can do that, but. It, on paper as well as just like my gut and my like just watching this thing it just doesn't feel like it's going to bode well for the bears how confident are you though and again our confidence meter is in the game not in our pick so confidence meter in this game yeah so i mean i'm like at a four right now just the game in general what are you, where I, have you a, at, Will? I have a 4.0 in my notes Yep, so I mean, I didn't have anything in my notes. That's just me coming up with the number right now. But we're usually on the same level of thinking, Will. Great minds think alike. But, yeah, just, again, all the reasons that we just stated earlier, it, it's just not a match that we like. The only thing that we didn't talk about, Will, and it could be huge and what decides this game, is that the Bears have Nick Foles. That's the one guy Tom Brady can't beat in the biggest game ever. No, I can't imagine on Thursday night how much that's going to be just over like mm-hmm. overly done you know Nick Foles in the Super Bowl what he did blah blah this ain't this ain't the same Nick Foles this isn't all that in this entirely new offense but yeah just don't like what the Buccaneers do well and what the Bears don't do well and how that matches up for mismatches in this game and why the Buccaneers will ultimately take advantage of those mismatches well how about this you use the word mismatch and i'm just gonna ask a real quick uh, simple question complicated answer time even though i think it's a simple question simple answer do the bears have any mismatches in their favor only I, the keem hicks on their right guard is a mismatch and unless look i we both expected at the end of this game he will be the mvb but is that enough to beat an entire you know just beating one guy they're gonna eventually chip him and things like that that's the one matchup that i do like um but that's about like off the top of my head, not really thinking about it. That's that's really it. But there's and nothing. That's not like, there's no general general team strengths that put the Bears in a good spot over the Bucks. Like I don't think we've mentioned anything close to that throughout the whole show. So okay, I wish I would have mentioned because I definitely had in my notes what. All right, maybe I express this a little bit. The Buccaneers' defense did give up some deep shots. We know that Nick Foles is supposed to be a deep ball thrower, and there was a couple of back shoulder fades that went for touchdown, or one back shoulder fade, I should say, that Justin Herbert threw. And we saw that Nick Foles can somewhat throw that, but their timing with the receivers has been off, and that's why I also said, but can Nick Foles actually capitalize on what are supposed to be his strengths as a quarterback? So those are the other, only like bigger takeaways on offense. So. Yeah, I agree with you. Like we, there really isn't much. Yeah, and that's the unfortunate part. That's why we're sitting at about a four in our confidence meter entering this game. Hey, at least four means forty percent chance of maybe something good can happen. <laughs> You're like, if that's the case, I'm lowering it. But no, we're <laughs> stuck. Uh, that's where it's gonna be. But I don't know. I don't think I need to rehash on all the things that the Bears aren't doing well versus what the Buccaneers seem to be doing pretty well themselves. And I know the Buccaneers though they're not perfect. Uh, they've you know they lost the game. They've uh, they came back last week against the Chargers, but when I was watching that first half, I mean, I was kind of excited by what I was seeing. I was like, you know, we go here, we'll take care of business against the Colts, and that we have a short week, and this will be fun to play with as well. And then Buccaneers come back. They show that they have some resiliency. Bears didn't show up to play at all, and how quickly one's tune can change. So, 
yeah, we'll see exactly how it all shakes out. Any final thoughts before we kind of end the show? Again, it's it's a game where the Bears' strengths are kind of neutralized and the Bears' weaknesses, I think, are going to be exploited. Yeah, I think final, you know, wrapping up these final thoughts, I really, really hope this is one of those games where now everyone on a national stage. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic. Our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Sees that that 3-0 record that the Bears had, that's not, that's not who the Bears are. And I really, really hope that's not the case. It, you know, if they lose, lose competitively. Maybe mm-hmm. a one score, like something to where they, the Bears' offense has shown improvement. The defense was making plays. And it was just a really good game. A good game through, through four quarters. Not a fourth quarter, like a good game through four quarters. But my gut, Will, it's telling me that this is going to be another one of those, you know, those primetime matchups where we come away on this postgame show where, like, Oh, here we go. This is the turn in the season. I really hope that isn't the case, but I just have this feeling, and I ugh, we'll see what happens on Thursday night. And if they can find a way to prove us wrong and to you know prove a lot of the doubters wrong and probably themselves maybe a little bit wrong as well, and they do come out and they can play a, a cohesive game from the first quarter, at least start strong. I mean, yes, the third quarter is its own animal, and we'll figure it out. The Bears are still the only team in the NFL not to score a point in the third quarter which I know they've lost every coin toss, so they, they don't think they start the third quarter with the ball ever, which it feels like you have more time to make the adjustment on offense then. So I don't know how that's much of a, a factor. But, yeah, uh, we'll see uh, in just a night and a half. Uh, two nights from now, we'll be watching the game, and then in a few hours or so, we'll be doing our postgame show. So that's, that's about it. I got nothing further. I feel like we're concerned. Our concerns are valid to have. We've been skeptical throughout even as, as exciting the 3-0 start was. We did kind of try to keep it in check a little bit. And I think we'll see. I mean, what a sad five, four-day stretch that would be to go from 3-0 to 3-2 and in like a blink of an eye. Uh, at least we'll have a long week then to figure things out. But we have to get there first. Yep, I agree. All right, well, I want to thank everyone who watched and listened to the show, and uh, you feel more prepared uh, for this week's uh, game on a very short week, and hopefully the Bears are feeling pretty prepared themselves. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday night um, as soon as the final whistle blows for our weekly postgame podcast. I think depending on how the feed shakes out, Nick will have a mini pod in between as we're going to do meet the opponent after this one just due to some guest scheduling conflicts, but we're able to kind of still squeeze it out for you. But the next time you hear from Nick and myself together, we'll be for that postgame show on Thursday night. In the meantime, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, rate, review our show on Apple Podcasts, help us spread the word of our show to fellow Bears fans just like yourself. Thank you to supporters who brought in their donations again, uh, Venmo at the Chicago Audible, and PayPal, www.chicagoaudible.com slash PayPal if you want to get a shout-out on next week's game preview episode. You have two extra days to do it, uh, so definitely feel free to uh, get on board and join all of our amazing supporters who've uh, been definitely helping us out over the last few months uh we'll talk to you after the game but until then uh enjoy the game hopefully and then we'll talk to you afterwards and of course bear down chicago Chicago.
Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com.